0: okay welcome back to take flight episode number five welcome back how's everyone doing
1: oh thank you feeling refreshed rejuvenated revitalized
0: great so you're here with myself olu daniel pebilo and shawel
1: hey guys been a great week guys
2: yo i was actually just recording an instagram video so that's why i was on mute but hey episode five yep okay so on this episode we're gonna go on a few topics talk about
0: mistakes some of our failures what we've learned then we're gonna go to a hot topic which is the fire festival we'll find out which one of us is like andy and is willing to go above and beyond (laughs) and then we'll move on to the book recommendation which will be taken by me where i'll go through outlier by malcolm gladwell so let's get started
2: Take off, take flight
0: with you. We never fly, Let's open it up for discussion. I know this is an area that most people don't like to share. I know now that we're in the social media sort of generation, everyone just posts their highlights and their success stories. But I thought it would be good for this episode for us to just have an open discussion about some of our failures, mistakes, how we've overcome them and learn from them. So, so first of all, I would say... How do you guys even
3: define failure? Very good question. That's a very good,
2: good start. Question. That's a good... Um, that's a really good one. I, I don't know. I think very... Just thinking very simply, trying to do something yeah, and then not being able to achieve it. I don't think a failure is a bad thing, by the way. I think failures mm. are fundamental to grow. But if I was thinking specifically about what a failure is... Then you're trying to do something, trying to achieve something, trying to gain something, but not getting there. Mm
3: -hmm. Interesting. Olu, what do you think? I
2: would agree with that. But I think mine is um,
0: not reaching expectations. So failure for me particularly is you having an expectation either on a task, your life, where you should be at a certain time or space. And then you looking at that expectation and realizing you haven't reached that particular point so then that makes you feel like you're a failure or
3: that's how to think about failure i got a feeling me and daniel are going to look at it differently. go on daniel <laughs> <laughs> oh uh,
1: firstly i'd say failure is the best teacher but i'd say failure is probably the inevitable result of an accumulation of poor thinking and poor choices and it's it's simple putting that simply it's nothing more than a few errors in judgment repeated every
3: day Mm. Yeah, Daniel. Why don't you repeat that <laughs> uh,
1: from the top? Or just the last bit?
3: No the call, just the uh, quote. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I can't remember. I closed the window. <laughs> what's, what's your definition? No, it's it's uh an interesting one for me. I actually think it's a uh, failure failure in itself. Like it's a myth. It's it's man made. Like I actually think it's just a bunch of experiments that haven't necessarily worked out well but it gives you the opportunity to try something different oh, so sure. i think we look at we look at failure as something which is negative we always and that, that's kind of why i was testing you guys to see okay what do you think i it's just an opportunity to start fresh it means whatever you was trying didn't necessarily work well and you should try something else but not to take it on yourself too bad or anything along those lines so mm. i don't believe in it per se in terms of in terms of the general way that people look at it, because all of the failures that I've experienced have always led to a success. So, but I guess it's led to a
0: success for you because you've been able to learn from your failures or mistakes, which so, is key. Yeah, which is the key aspect of it, because if you're doing the exact same mistake or failures, or um, then you're not really learning or growing or um, evolving if you sort of try to look at that, i think before we go into that i think it'll be good just to go around and just talk about some of the big failures that we have in our life let's make a little bit more personal and go around and say some of the mistakes you might want to share on the podcast that you've made
2: I i don't mind shooting my my one first and then get you guys to open up after so basically my my biggest failure and this is something which i at the time hated it but similar to what P was saying you you grow and you end up loving each failure that you have because it's one step closer to success so my biggest failure and earliest one probably as well was when i was uh, 19. so i just moved to london for university and i grew up in quite a small quiet-ish city and when i was growing up my parents were quite strict on me as well so i wasn't given all the independence that some teenagers are, are given so I moved to London. I'm in a big city. I'm living on my own. I have no parents telling me what to do, and I, and I have all the freedom in the world. So I go to university. After a few weeks of lectures, I think, do you know what? I don't actually need lectures. I know I know all the topics anyway. Then fast forward, fast forward to the end of. What first was that year. based on? That you
0: decided that you don't... <laughs>
3: don't know your great IQ or ego? Right,
2: I'll wait till the end of the year, and then I'll just catch up on everything. Mm. Um, then it gets to the end of the year. And during that year, didn't attend many lectures. Uh, my priorities were mainly going out, making new friends. Studying was very, very low on the list. Then at the end of the year, ultimately, because of my actions during the year, my results spoke for those actions. And I was told that I had failed my first year of uni. Mm. Now, I, up until this stage, academically, I'd been quite strong. had um, been an A-grade student, never really had to deal with failure before. To now, suddenly, at the end of university, being told, you failed your first year... And you can't carry on until the second year, until you've retaken the whole of your first year. That's how bad I had Mm failed. So a all the friends I've made, everyone else seemed to have passed. So they've moved on, them celebrate their results, moving on to the second year of uni. And then here I was not allowed to move on with them and being told that, yeah, you need to reset. And if you fail again, then we may need to kick you out of university so that was a huge failure for me at that time i couldn't face telling my parents telling them yeah your son who you thought was going to go on and do all this thing all these things at university is now going to be a failure and may not even continue in university so that at that time was terrible it gave me a year of having to reset everything refocusing i had a lot of doubt a lot of insecurities thinking shit maybe i'm not actually as smart as i thought i was maybe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> University isn't something that will work out for me. Mm. Um and then I try to apply for jobs. Obviously, no company wants to hire a guy who's just failed his first year. So I applied for tons of internships. No one would give me a job. The only job that I could get was actually in a retail store in Regent Street where I was selling suits. Jeez. Um, and then <laughs> at oh, the end tough life. End, it was a tough life, mate, tough life. So instead of wearing suits to work, I had to just sell suits. That was the best job that I could get at the time. But that year was honestly what P was saying before, just a, it just opened you up, opening you up for more successes later on. It was the best year because it helped me realize that, A, I need to put my priorities in order. And then, B, as long as I focus, at the end of that second year of retaking everything, I passed. And I said to myself, that I'm never, ever going to put myself in that position again, where based on my own ability and my own effort, I'm going to screw myself over. So I'll always put 200% in and I'll always get the results as I have done in that recent year. And because of that, it made me work even harder every year in university and every summer to get an internship to be in the position that I'm in now. And it's something that I've tried to translate in my work, working as many hours as I need to do to get the work done inside of work, outside of work. So that was my uh,
3: failure. Yeah, great learning. Oh, Just for, for all the... Wait, real quick. Just for all the, <laughs> the listeners, yeah? And the viewers. So myself, Daniel and Oli... Wait, wait, wait.
1: You're going to steal my... Wait, work. wait. Nah, we have a shared...
3: We have a shared <laughs> failure.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Before you share the <laughs> <a> failure... <laughs> did you, I did they'd never was a
3: shared one. This is... This is yeah. this What's this shared failure? failure? I don't know this what Daniel you guys are talking them. about.
1: I know, I know, I know <laughs> where you're going. Because this was,
3: this was the same one as mine. This is the same one Okay, so let me, let me kick it off and then you can, you can, yeah, you can cool. uh, uh, give your... This is good because I'm... I'm learning stuff that I didn't even know. Right, cool. sure, you know I might be all learning all
0: you,
1: as well. I'm, all all I'm, I'm all not even know. sure I understand we what you guys are about to say, talk about. For
3: the listeners out there, so myself, Olu Daniel, studied the same course, which is financial computing. But in order to get accepted onto this course, it, uh. meant, that had, it meant that you would have failed because you would have tried to get onto, say, business management or something which needed higher grades. So <laughs> financial computing was actually a course where it was actually only open up to those that didn't do well it was like the, you know, the, the sort of the, the leftover, the crumbs. Yo, why are well, you this, man? <laughs> what's interesting is that. So yeah, <laughs> Stan was laughing. I can't stop so laughing. But what's, but what's key thing. about this? Because I remember, I remember wanting to study business management so bad, right? And then jumping into financial computing, not knowing what C plus plus was about, not knowing anything about VBA or computer programming, and thinking to myself, bruv, I am a quote-unquote failure." <laughs> And everyone in this class is also a failure. Only to realise, during the course of our um, university years, our our degree was a lot more complicated, was a lot more complex than any of the other degrees around. Yeah. And I think we used it, and I think it's a great story, because look how we've used it and we've leveraged it to put ourselves in the position that we're in now. So, it's... Pete,
0: you know what's funny no, about that?
3: Did you guys no, receive no. the letter that no,
0: no, you were on me. the course prior to getting your actual yeah, so, yeah. A-level grade? So, 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 rewinding.
1: Yeah, so, like, uh, so, so rewinding so rewind from what Pab went on was saying. I remember vividly on the night of UCAS when your A level grades come out. Here. And then, my
3: God,
1: bro, bro, I had, I'm, I had I'm like I
3: think two AM in, I in the morning. Solid some solid D's, <laughs> chemistry D, business D, and then one other subject C. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to see. Is, honestly, so we we were the whole entire family were in Saudi Arabia at this time. And this is when the result came out during the summertime, and my mum was expecting, obviously, to get good enough results so I can go to either Oxford Brooks or Brunel to do Bridges management or something along those lines. When she saw the results on the screen, she got so hot I left the room. I said I don't <laughs> want to be in that thing. Listen, <laughs> and then done. You can you can finish it, but then you get a letter after saying we have this course called financial computing if you're still interested. Um, but you're not able to get into business management. What would you take it or not? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I remember vividly where well,
1: I think this, I had what, 20, 2008, 2000, 2008, so I had um, I joined Facebook in May because when I left college and everything, so you're keeping connected. It's when Facebook was starting off. And so I remember refreshing my you know feed and my UCAS page. Everyone said, oh, I got accepted into my, my, my first choice, got accepted, got accepted. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm refreshing. And UCAS isn't saying anything. And I'm thinking, oh, wow. And I keep refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And nothing comes through. And then the next day you get your grades, you go into university, you go into your college, to get your grades. But on the same day, because obviously A-level results are um, released prior to universities, et cetera, the day of the results day is when the letter comes in the post. Mm. So I've gone to college to collect my results knowing I haven't got business management course. But at the same time, whilst I'm at college, the letter gets delivered to my house. So, so, so you so, can't even
0: lie You can't even be like Oh so I
1: changed I changed uh, my course i already really told my parents that, Yeah nothing's updated on UCAS. So whilst I'm at uni- at college I get told Oh there's a letter from uh, Brunel or something You know it's got the le- um, The post head or whatever it is On the on the envelope So I get home And you open it Dear Daniel Johnson Unfortunately you didn't meet the requirements For business management you has got failed Of course financial computing um you'll still get your 360 you know your 360 credits or whatever at the at the full term and it's you know you've been put on a thick sandwich if you would like or you can um, change to a full-time three of course and i'm thinking right this is a failure (laughs) because like p said what is c plus plus what is programming i haven't touched that in my life and (laughs) you're thinking and i'm thinking at this stage i'm thinking I scrapped my second offer. I put Bruno as my first and only choice. It's either I go into UCAS and go to clearing and find something else. But yeah, it's it's at the time it was like I was still excited to go to university and everything. You know, <laughs> <He's> I, like,
0: <laughs> acting like you had a choice.
1: I look positive, thinking, "Oh, okay, cool. I'll just do. Yeah, I'll just go. I'll just go and do it." But then, like P was saying, fast forward to now. What that taught me is, you know, always give your best throughout, even no matter what it is. You know, it was yeah. a very tough, challenging course. Not everyone that we started off finished, some people changed course halfway, but mm. it, well, I think we'll go on to it late, later in the in the, in the the conversation about the importance of failure. But it really did grow us. Um, we learned a lot. We increased and, you know, um, broadened our knowledge on various different topics. Mm-hmm. And it has helped us immensely to where we are today, if I'm honest. And although it was um, perceived as a failure back then, we were, we allowed ourselves to turn that failure into something very very positive mm-hmm. and for our own good.
0: Yeah, and I think it's good that we 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 talked about how we felt during the period of time because it's, we're laughing and we're joking about it right now, but during that period of time, it was a low place. Like, what was
1: like, your just one, Colin? What time? was <laughs> mine?
0: So I received a letter before I, know. I, I received go the letter on, go ahead, go ahead. before I actually went to college to get my grades. So I was going to college knowing I didn't get the grades I needed, but I already got a university um, university degree. So I think my mom, I was like, I, th- I think I said to my mom, I got good news and bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Which one would you like to hear first? <laughs> she was like, the good news. I was like, good news is I'm going to university. <laughs> bad news is, I'm um, not sure what I got but it wasn't what I needed <laughs> to do my original course but to be honest I was happy with it my grades weren't too bad you know they weren't too bad but they just went no no
3: no no no. competition you were sitting at a couple D's no because remember <laughs> I did no cares, like, too bad. No, so bro. remember I did um, uh, remember I did maths no. and accounting I did maths and
0: accounting for college so I had C's in them and maybe I shouldn't even be saying that in case my employers are like yo what did you <laughs> No, but I think. I, I, I but think I did get a first exciting. class in university, so in case any of my. In case my manager or anyone's listening, future and, employers, and, just
3: know that. And I think, and I think case in point, it, it, I think it makes for a very inspiring story because mm. here you are in a class of students who, in essence, have not managed to get what they wanted as their first choice. I remember taking tuition lessons in South London, so traveling to learn C++. I still didn't pass. But it was just, the, it was just the, the willingness to continue going, to keep going, keep going, and say, look, there's some, there must be something bright at the end of the tunnel. Mm-mm. And as we graduated, we managed to do pretty well in our dissertation. We graduated, and I think it's safe to say that we've done pretty well, given how things looked back in 2012.
1: But the, fun, the, funniest, the funniest thing is, it was the biggest elephant in the room because everyone knew they were on that course because they flopped <laughs> the A-levels, but no one- <laughs> no, no one, one said one it. wanted to talk about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. But that is there, so true.
2: Was there um, was there eventually a conversation about it a few years after, or just no, 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 no one? I, feel like, well,
3: well, had, I, I too, feel like this I is the first conversation we've had. I feel like this is
0: the first me. conversation we've had as a group talking about it. I think this is
3: actually the first time we actually spoken it about it. Sure. But I just I actually remember like maybe in the second or third year speaking to the students that studied business management and saying to them, "How hard is your course?". Because I'm going through a madness right now with C++ and VBA, only to realise that I felt our course was more uh, practical, it was more uh, necessary for the working uh, corporate world, and it was a lot more complex. So, mm. in essence, what, what looks like something we didn't want to do was actually probably a better challenge for us, yeah. for what we needed to do. So, yeah. it's it, it this again, going back to this point around failure, I, I still don't know if it really exists.
2: Yeah, I don't think
3: it does. But Pete, that's
2: your failure. But Daniel and Olu, are you, are, were you going to share something similar? Or something no, I, to we might as well use
0: that just because no, I know about
3: fine. it. Olu, well, you got a specific one?
0: Mine was going to be more, um, but I keep it quite short, financial failure. So if I talk about financial failures, everyone says, oh, investments, you know, everyone's got all these great investments. I could talk about my cryptocurrency. <laughs> And I think it's one that <laughs> it's one that I no did. one likes to talk about cryptocurrency. <laughs> so, and you'll probably see that most people that were all shouting about cryptocurrency a year ago are not talking about it right now. But <laughs> really <laughs> quiet now,
3: aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Just Tell us how much you lost.
0: So on a on a real case, I lost three thousand pounds based okay. on cryptocurrency. So that it happens. wasn't. I read some stories where some people lost forty k, fifty k. It wasn't that yeah, bad. Some people lost. Some people lost a lot more.
3: But yeah, um, like,
0: on Mike's instance, right. I lost. 3k on it, and yes, at a time I did feel okay, I was a failure, or I made I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't understand it. But I think, like Pabilo said, is really what did I take away from it and learn from it? So, in that particular example, I said to myself, unless I truly understand a particular investment, I do not invest in it. Like, don't follow the crowd. You hear a lot of people say, Oh, I've got this easy, quick way of making money and everyone thinks, oh, without doing your research and understanding it, let me just replicate it. So for me, it's a 3,000, I don't call it failure, but lesson. Yes, it's expensive lesson, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that won't make the same lesson and I needed to go through that experience or failure, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. to be able to come out the other side. And if I look at some of my other investments now, the amount of research, knowledge, information I get for myself Stops me or minimizes that risk that mm. I previously undertook. So,
3: do you, do you think um, we do a good enough job in discussing our failures amongst our peers, family, friends? And should we?
1: we... I think we only do it once we've we've turned it around to a success. So mm. people will never talk about their failure whilst they're going through it. They only talk about it when they've become successful in that particular mm-hmm. area which i don't think is very beneficial someone call, um the owner of slider cuts he's got a youtube series who actually talks about some of the struggles he's currently facing after opening up his own barber studio right and he's talking about all the debts he's racked up he you know he's he's adamant and doesn't want to take out um take on any capital from outside sources he wants to self-fund it Whether that's a good thing or bad thing but he has his reasons behind it but he's talking about how he's struggling Yeah. He cut celebrities. He he's won awards. He's got his own studio, which he's always wanted, but now he's managing day by day on just trying to you know provide for his family to pay. Yeah, I think he had to sell his flat, even to make rent. He's got a mortgage. He's got he's got debts up to you know mm-hmm. ten twenty grand, and he's struggling. But the thing is, he's sharing it whilst he's going through it. Yeah, he's cool. not one of the people to sh- share it. You know, oh yeah, five years ago I was struggling, but you never knew. But let mm-hmm. me know when you're struggling, so I can actually you know. It helps me actually visualize what someone goes through. More. So you, you have more not not that you're trying to have, you're not trying to have people feel sorry for you or have a pity party, but I think it's more beneficial and there's more impact when you share a failure or a struggle at the time of going through it, rather than when you're out of that particular challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just uh, difficult uh, because speaking for myself, ego. You wanna be seen as okay. I've got my ish in order. I yeah. know what I'm doing um, okay. <laughs> but I think what you said, Daniel, is perfectly true. And I think we need to do more of actually expressing and showing when we're going through failures. One, you'll be surprised how many people have actually gone through that same uh, issue, mistake or failure, and they can actually support or talk you through the particular mm-hmm. area. Um, and then you also help people that are starting the journey. I think that's the key thing. Because when you're starting like entrepreneurs' business, people that start their own business, when they go through their first failure, they just want to stop and quit. But they don't realise that... And we're going to get into it like, with our hot topic and also the book recommendations. But a lot of these people that we class as successful have made numerous mistakes. And yeah. it's how they've overcome it, learned from it, and ensure that they didn't make the same mistake.
3: Yeah, go, sure.
2: No, I was just saying, I remember when... when um... I joined the company that I'm working in now. We were watching a town hall from one of the guys and he was a much more older gentleman. And one piece of advice that really stuck with me at that time, way back in 2012, that I tried to continuously think about is while you're still young and smart enough to be able to do it, fail as fast as you can, as many times as you Mm. can, because then that brings you closer to the level of success that you're looking for. And if you want to play it safe and you, you don't want to make any mistakes, then do that, play the slow game, but then you'll get caught up in your 30s and 40s and you won't get to where you want to be. So if you really, really want to make the most of your life, fail fast and fail as many times as you can. Sure, what I, you just I, said I, there, that is yeah. what got me through. Because let's yeah. say,
0: for example, the cryptocurrency one, going back to that. Yeah. Yeah. If I had wife, kids, yeah, and I'm having to think about their tuition fees and whatever, and I make that mistake yeah. or that failure, yeah. I'm going to be having some sleepless nights. I'm going to okay. be like... <laughs> I'm gonna be calling you guys. Be like, yo, can you guys give me a loan or something? Like, you, yeah, but three you'll, three get,
2: through you'll get through it. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. it but like, at that stage, you might be instead of 3k, you might put 30k on it. Exactly. Been, and I'm yeah. older. You got that money.
0: So I totally agree with that thing. It's about failing fast, failing quick, and yeah. not shying away from it, especially at your early stages in in life.
3: Sure. Yeah. Just to, just to echo on on that point, uh, I saw I came across something on Instagram. It was a short, uh, like one minute video, and I, I forgot the guy's name. Um, and basically, what he said, and it was I've never heard this before. And he put it in such a way that made me actually get excited about the topic of failure and making mistakes. He says, "If your success was dependent on receiving twenty five nos or making twenty five mistakes, mm. how excited would you be at receiving the first one?" Mm. Yeah. And that. Changed the entire perspective because it was wow, almost like, wow, a wow, 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 Let me now find the first failure. Let's, let's, when it slaps yeah, me in the face, it's okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, let's keep going. Yeah. So that was a good perspective also.
0: Let's stop. So uh, I know we've been talking about failures for quite a bit now. Um, before we move on to sort of the next topic, why don't we just go around and what are some of, what would be your one tip for people that are either afraid to fail? or going through some sort of failure? Um, let's just go around and see. So I'd
1: say, I think we, I'll start off with that. I'd say there are five valuable lessons that we can take from failing. We've spoken a lot about them um, previously, um, but I just want to share five things. So the failure lesson number one would be experience. Um, there you, there's a there are a lot of things you can learn from failing, um, and that will give you experience. I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just going to give you the overview. Um, the second one is knowledge um third one resilience fourth one growth and the fifth one value and when you're thinking about your know, about your past failures think about how much value you brought to the table could you have offered more value what would have prevented you from failing also learn to create immense value and do so consistently you'll eventually succeed and something i always say is if you weren't afraid of failure what would you attempt to doing mm. That's
2: powerful
3: awesome. powerful
0: i can go next next. um Uh, mine will just be um really fail often um but never make the same failure so always see failure as uh something that happens in life i feel like life is a journey failure is just one point of it life is just the path and learning numerous different experiences So just continue to fail, but never make the same failure or
3: mistake. Yeah, for me, I'd just say it's a sign that you're moving in the right direction. Never stop. Always keep going.
2: Yeah, probably from my side, when you're going through that failure, it may seem like nothing makes sense. Why is it so difficult? what am I going to learn from this? But if you just keep sticking through it, there's always an opportunity that arises through every single failure you go through. So just really try to seek the opportunity, be patient, go through it and understand where the opportunity lies because there is always, always an opportunity, or lesson from it. Great. Okay, so
0: let's sort of change the topic a little i'll say more of a lighter conversation oh, this, is but,
3: <laughs> this is going to be
0: a hot topic so uh, how many it's of hot. you guys have watched um the fire festival nah, the documentary
2: netflix right
0: yeah so there's um, one on hulu and there's uh, another one on netflix so i've seen the netflix one i've only seen the netflix
3: one yeah same netflix i watched it last week
0: Mate. Where do we start? Where do we start?
3: Okay, I so, so let me give
0: you some Is background, you? Daniel. Um, so are you aware of the fire fest? Like what happened with the fire festival? You probably it, saw a it, lot. Was it, was
1: it was it was it that Jaru thing and then the sandwiches? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So it was a business <laughs> partnership <clears throat> between Jaru and um, a guy called Billy. Billy, Billy. <laughs> so <laughs> just context-wise. It started with an app, so it's, it actually starts with a Fire Festival app, which is supposed to be the Uber for booking artists. So, it's supposed to simplify the whole booking experience. So, you might have a birthday, you can go on this app, you can contact Jaru directly, do a booking, you don't have to go through an agent, etc. So, conceptually, I personally feel like it's a great business idea. What do you guys think?
2: app the app from when i when i was watching documentaries i thought as an app that's a solid solid idea and if they maybe if they just focused and executed on just that alone they would have had a lot more success than with the festival
0: see i disagree i feel like the it festival was a great promotional forget we'll talk about how it went but i felt like the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the festival was a was,
3: great was, was, the, was the hot topic promotion <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly the, the idea the idea behind it man, the only thing i wasn't too sure about in, in terms of how it was good, like you've now basically given the public access to booking artists. So how do how do you, as an artist, like, does it work by terms of like demand? Or if, if if I have a birthday, for example, and I've only got 10 people, but I book Jaru, do I get him? Or does someone else get him if they have twelve people? So I wasn't too sure. It all depends on the price.
0: Actually... Whatever price, I would assume the artist will have a fee. So a I don't think Jaru cares yeah. if he's performing for 10 people or if he's performing for 100 people. It's just, okay, you tell me how yeah. many, what the capacity is going to be. If it's 10, yeah. this is the fee that I'm going to charge you. If yeah. it's whatever, this is what I'm going to need, etc. So, mm-hmm. and then I think the the fire, them having a festival, I thought was a brilliant, brilliant, like promotional and marketing strategy because it gets everyone thinking about this festival that's going to compete with Coachella, yeah, etc. And then you can then bring on the application on the side. But let's talk about the execution <laughs> when it comes to the
3: <laughs> so execution. The, so real, real quick, the reason actually why it, Caught my attention because there was a post on Instagram which said everything wrong with social media today, and I was mm. like, "Wrong," and so and then it spoke about the fire festival, and that's the only, and that's how I know about it. So, mm. what I the sort of takeaways I have from it was I thought it was very interesting how, despite all of the the, the questions leading up to it or all of the sort of not knowing what's going to happen or uh, do we really have our rooms or is the flight still available, people still went ahead with it, right? And there was I think there was still caught up and hung up by the fact that the promotion in the beginning. Mm. uh, So it does it does give you a sense of how people can be easily drawn into something which may seem like heaven when actually it's not. I call that the image gang. uh, The image gang.
0: Yeah. Because it's so true. It's it was it showed how us and Daniel you might be able to chime in. But when you're on like social media and stuff, people now just portray a lifestyle. And how the lifestyle is so important to people.
1: What, what, what are you trying
3: to say? I, I can chime in. What are you trying
1: to you say? You can about chime in. <laughs> no, no, no. What are you trying to say?
0: you
3: trying to say your life is fake, bro. <laughs> I just say...
0: No, nah, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm saying you could chime in in terms of you've got social media. You might not have watched the actual documentary. Because you see how social media has created lots of what they class as influencers. And people that... You ask the question, how are they influencing... How they actually add in value or influence to you versus showing a lifestyle. And it shows the power of having that lifestyle, you're then able to sell an experience, a package, a product without actually having a true content behind it.
3: Yeah, the reason why Shwell lacks it is because he's thought about doing something similar. He's I'm really is, right he right now, is he right the Billy? Is he the Billy of the group? He has fly festival. He has the influence. <laughs> he has the followers if That's there's the ever ability. a take
0: flight That's festival fine. coming out i am not involved i just want to let you know i'm not involved <laughs> this is the no, disclaimer I, like
2: the the whole the whole documentary is uh, i really recommend anyone to watch it who has a netflix account because you really see the power of this one guy who seemed to lie to everyone involved including jarul his business partners his investors <laughs> was able to Paint this image of we're going to have this uber successful festival. He got all the biggest Instagram models, actresses in on the marketing at the beginning to promote the event. Um, Even Kendall Jenner was involved. All of them posted on their Instagram about this festival. And then you realize behind the scenes, two, three weeks out from when this festival is supposed to be occurring in the Bahamas in this idyllic island nothing is set up they have to get <laughs> they have to use tents which are used there. for like refugees they yeah, hurricane tents yeah tents. that were just sandwiches that even you wouldn't feed your worst enemies it was just it was just unbelievable the power of perception in this one guy but you know actually go ahead I, No, sorry p go ahead because no, go go, you might be saying the same point. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Actually, but i wanted to ask what blew me away the most was with that guy this billy dude who was running the festival, was even after the festival was done, he's still trying to back 100%! Back. <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to smash fraud continuously again afterwards. Like, that's the reason he, he's in prison. And, and that's like, the reason like, he's in prison, bro. Was, yeah. Seriously, I couldn't believe it. I was like, mate, you've got away with murder, literally murder inc," and now you're still trying to connect with <laughs> it. What but, is going on? But, sure, um, that's the
0: way you say to people, like, the, the perception of being successful... is it's more important to certain people than actually putting the hard work because Mm -hmm. in in terms of him Mm -hmm. being a salesperson i feel like he's a brilliant salesperson i feel like if he had if he had used a lot of his creative uh whatever um intelligence to actually focus on a business versus scamming people off he Mm. could have made a few successful businesses and i i i it shows the importance of having a team around you folks. And I think we talked about this last week, where it's like, know what your strengths are not, and then get the people around you that can deliver or execute. Cause I feel mm. like Billy had a great vision. He was great for setting a vision <laughs> an idea. He just didn't have a team around, or he did have a team or he wouldn't even empower, allow the team around him to actually execute. Like you mentioned, they had this Pablo Escobar island which they were told not to mention his name first <laughs> video they mentioned his name they get kicked off that island and they have now 40 or 50 days to do a festival which normally takes 12 months to do a festival like it it
3: was a it was a it was a mess from the beginning yes, it, to to, to point i really at this stage i don't know if he's actually uh, the smartest business person i've i've um... Come across in the last few years, or he's the dumbest person because his resilience and his just relentless effort to continue to push through, mm-hmm. even when everything is falling apart. I mean, it's like it's almost like for him, it, the the aim was actually to make it not work. That's how, that's how <laughs> that's how that's how bad it was, right? And then to uh, to what Shaw said. Even once it was sort of went through and then he was on bail, even whilst on bail, he was still pushing different Crazy. ideas, different Crazy. programs. So there was a level, I had a level of admiration for his willingness to push through. And, and my wife, Lauren, was giving me a lot of sticks saying, no, he's a dick. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm telling you, he's got, there's something about him, right? But um, I believe in six years time, when he comes out, he's actually going to be doing something. Um, but he's not allowed to similar he's part of yeah, his yeah, thing. Is he's not allowed to be a, a CEO,
0: or direct, but I'm sure he's gonna find a way to continue hustling way. people in
3: the background. So, Dude, the, 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 last, thing, last thing, the only thing I don't understand yet, and I'm not trying to call you out, Jarul. Like you're living your life, you're doing your thing, but bro, how are you? How are you not penalized for any of this? <laughs> no, Jaru is penal. Jarul has been Bruh, penalized nah, for it because
0: ow, ow, ow. <laughs> I think he's been penalized because of the fact that he's always gonna carry that L with him wherever he goes. I think, Mate, that's like. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna be a continuous L that he's gonna go throughout his whole career. Like whatever new business idea, festival. Uh, uh, what, did, what did he say? He said something like, "It's not. It's not people.
3: It's fool. What did he say? Something like, was, "Oh, you're
0: talking about the conference call at the end when they were like, the oh, this is um, it's this not is fraud. It's, it's not just, fraud.' it's not fraud. It's um, um. Oh, what was the word like he used?
3: Mistake identity or something, or something, something like that, which would still meant it. fraud. I'm
0: like, Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, he's gonna carry. But I think. One thing I didn't understand is why they weren't willing to pull the plug of the
3: whole, like... Because uh, I think I think he had too many investors backed, too many investors had backed the um, festival. Mm. And by pulling the plug, he would have probably lost face, lost connections and lost money. And he probably thought, even with everything not really looking in place right mm. now, it could still work somehow, some way. It could still work somehow, somewhere, yeah.
0: No, I just... Uh, yeah i just feel like with the whole the whole five festival it just highlighted so many things that's wrong like now i'm seeing you guys been seeing like random festivals popping up on your phone right now like <laughs> no, I, haven't, I, haven't. <laughs> I get beer like requests festivals in like amsterdam here and, and i'm just like i'll wait until year number two like no. one part i didn't feel sorry for and i'll
3: stand by my point i didn't feel sorry for the people that bought tickets <laughs> maybe it's just me i didn't feel no, so no, no but it's true they said if you can if you can afford anywhere someone said it on a talk show there's this this uh the guy that was sitting on the um, in the talk show he said if you can afford to pay four thousand to watch um blink 182 i don't feel sorry for you yeah i don't <laughs> i
0: don't feel sorry. so i feel like certain people need a little bit of um diversity and uh, a little bit in their life because it felt like you know when they pulled up and um they saw the tent and the sights and they were like is this really where we're staying? And when they were, in, yeah. um, when they were in the coach on the way there and the coach driver was like, oh, <laughs> you guys are in for a
3: surprise. <laughs> Before <laughs> they got there, I was just like, oh, That's wait and true. see.
2: Um, well, one, one point that you mentioned, earlier, which I think just uh, is a great point, is um, how people are... And this Billy guy, he was a clear example of it. Of He was so busy trying to look like he was having a successful life that he just didn't put enough time into actually executing things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing that resonated from me for me through this documentary, because there's so many people nowadays who on social media, or whatever tool are trying to give the image of that they're busy or Mm -hmm. trying to give the image that they have everything already, but they don't actually have the core skills or the core goals or the core i don't know outcomes in their life that is generating that life and they're focusing so much on the perception of it that eventually it will catch up on them and there's something that people should be very very careful about that they put a weight on actually doing the actions doing the things that will get them to the success that they need instead of just giving it the perception that they are achieving it already there because it's a dangerous slippery slope as well if you start going down that way
0: no, nah, I agree. Nah, I agree, sure. It's- and Daniel, I know you haven't watched it, but it would be good to pull you in <laughs> on um on getting an understanding of um if when have you been willing to go above and beyond for for work? How maybe even get no, an understanding don't, 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 of
1: how don't, much don't try no, I'm just trying to. Don't try. Don't try to say it going going above and beyond for my company like Andy. Don't try. <laughs> Do you know about Andy? <laughs> Andy. Don't try. I'm just asking, no, 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 like, not even no, 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 for no, Andy. No, no. I'm just if
0: willing. How much are you willing to the go above and beyond for this podcast? For this podcast, how much are you willing to go above and
3: beyond? You've been doing a lot of that. How much are you willing to go? Hang on. The one thing. The one thing I think about this Andy situation, right, is for Billy to even suggest. Listen, Andy. Take one for the team. It, it tells me he's done it before. Exactly.
0: And that's so, the, I'm going to put that. Out. Do he's, that. Done it,
3: he's done it before. you
0: got to be comfortable enough to say, like, there's certain people that you're going to be like, okay, he got I ready. want you to take one for the team. He got ready. <laughs> and then, you know what was so funny? Was when he was like, oh, yeah, the guy was a nice guy. You know, I didn't have to. Um, I came back with the water. I'm gonna throw out there. I still think he went ahead and did that big favor. I'm just gonna.
3: Anyways, just... for uh, for all the listeners yet, yeah, tune in, tune in. Yeah, please. you gotta watch it.
0: You gotta watch it, and let's get some comments on it. But I think just to wrap up for the folks that have watched it, um, it'll be good just to understand what is the one thing you take away from the Five Festival, the whole experience. Um, as I know, some of us are entrepreneurs doing our own um, side hustles. What do you take away from it? And Shawal, I hope you didn't take the fact that you're going to replicate what Billy's nah, doing. I, I, Otherwise, I, 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 we're going to be needing someone else a, to fill in your spot on the podcast. we going to a flight
2: festival sometime soon. <laughs> um, I'm already planning that. Now, nah, I think the biggest thing for me is don't, don't spend too much time on giving the perception of you living a particular life if it's far from your reality. So just try and focus your majority of your time on your reality and making that better instead of trying to improve the perception of it.
0: I would say mine would be um, surround yourself with the right team and also Mm. empower that team to make the right decisions. I think Billy was a great salesman, um, great visionary. Unfortunately, when it came to the execution, he wasn't capable to do that. So it's making sure you have people, someone that's actually dealt in a festival or planned on organized a festival to actually then manage and do that logistics. And like we mentioned, yes, last week um, on the podcast is whatever your strengths are not, find the right person that that's their strength and leverage that person.
2: Pete, what's yours?
3: For me, just... (laughs) (laughs) Always go above and beyond, is that? (laughs) I was going to say, listen, whatever you're doing in life, whatever your passion is, just make sure you set the parameters and and the lines, yeah? And don't go... Above and beyond, Cool. Okay. No, that was a... You haven't watched it? Okay, what's yours? (laughs) Go on, Daniel.
0: What's yours?
1: No, I'm playing, I'm
0: playing. playing. Okay. Um, So let's move on to the book recommendation. So this week, I will be taking the book recommendation section. Um, So after last week's review, um, where Daniel went through Strength Finder 2.0, I thought it would be good for me to... Have a book with slightly some controversial or conflicting um points and ideas. So the book that I read this week was Outlier, um, The Story of Success by Malcolm Gladwell. Um and the reason why I looked at this book is we all have a understanding, or we we have an understanding of what makes a successful person. So we think it's Someone that works very hard, someone that's a genius, a uh, very high IQ, someone that might even be self made. Oh, you guys have got the book as well. <laughs> someone that's very self made. Um, but I think the book first sort of breaks down and tries to get you to get the understanding of what is an outlier. So if I go around, what do you guys see or understand as an outlier? I like to tell you sort of what's an outlier to you guys.
2: Someone who's gone against the grain of the factors around them and somehow exceeded beyond that. Yeah, exactly. So normally people think about it in the statistical
0: way. An outlier is like an observational point that Mm -hmm. is distinct or away from all the other observations. So it stands out, makes its own path. In our Mm -hmm. world, we call it successful, someone that might be rich, someone that has their own business, someone that's different from the norm. So then the book sort of covers a few key ideas and I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'm going to go through the key four ideas and concepts that the book mentions. The first one is really talking about um, looking at the success that comes from hidden factors or what society has created that differentiates a group or a class of people. So in the book, the first few chapters it talks about hockey players. And it looks at hockey players and says when they look um it looks at the day or the, the month in which the hockey players were actually born. And it saw a common trend. And it found that most hockey players were born between I believe it was January and April. So Michael Gladwell was trying to understand why is that? Is that just a coincidence, or is there actually something behind it? So he starts to look at the fact that the actual cut-off period for education and uh, age class is actually December. So if you were born after December, like January second or third, you were in the the what your class is the later age group, and you would be the oldest person in your group. So Daniel, and I guess most of us would know that. Like I was born in November. So I was always one of the oldest people in my class. Mm. Um, And then it talks about, based on the fact that you're the oldest one in your class, you have now that physical advantage because you're more developed based on the fact that you're eight months, six months older than someone. It could also Mm. be academically, your brain has been able to develop a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So then what happens during that early stages, you get differentiated or noticed more. So you get noticed. I might get noticed because at that age, I'm bigger uh, because I'm eight, eight months um, older than my classmates. So I'll get that differentiator and then I'll get like taken to scouts um, and then I'll get extra sort of training, extra sort of um, uh, and better training, which in the later years would differentiate me versus other people in my class. So that's one point that it talks about. I find that really interesting because um, a lot of time we look at people that are successful and we say, "Okay, is it just because they're working hard?" But sometimes there's actually hidden factors behind it.
3: Yeah, yeah. agree.
0: Another key point that I mentioned, which I think is the big one, is the ten thousand hours. And it says, for anyone to be an expert at anything, you need a minimum of ten thousand hours. So it takes. In the book, it takes an example of violinist. And it splits them up into three different groups. Teachers, ones that are good, and ones that are world-class. And it asks them how many hours did they actually practice. And you find that the people that were teachers only practiced for 4,000 hours. The ones that were good was around 8,000 hours. The ones that were world-class practiced for 10,000 hours. So it really shows you that when it comes to becoming an expert anything, you need to put hours behind it. Like you can't expect after a short period of time, you're going to be great or an expert in a specific area. And I think that's sometimes an area that's very frustrating to people because you start an activity, uh, a business, a hobby. And after a few hours, you're like, well, I'm not learning. I'm not getting better. at it." Is. So but you, you don't stop. realize the yeah. fact that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. And I think that the book also digs in a little bit deeper and it talks about deliberate practice. So it's not good enough for me to 10,000 hours just pick up a guitar and just do-do-do-do and all of a sudden I'm an expert. No, deliberate the practicing mm. is the quality, having a mentor, someone that's actually there to support you. Um, but,
1: then, but yeah. sorry, sorry to just stop you on that. About yeah. that um, 10,000 hours to being an expert, knowledge in every field doubles every five years. So if you're not learning, exposing your mind and developing mm. yourself, you soon become an expert in an industry that doesn't exist anymore.
3: Agree. Dan, that's a key point because I heard, I also heard there was this, oh, the name escaped me, but what he said was this 10,000 hours concept is now evolved into how quickly you can rack up 10,000 hours mm-hmm. because of the changing uh, patterns in, in the world and also changing industry. So it's no longer good enough just to say, like you also have to attach a time uh, scale to that. Because if you say, for example, 10,000 hours for people like us who work, a nine-to-five, you're going to have to do something before and after work. That will probably take you, if you're two or three hours a day, 10, ten years. Mm. That's, take, that, that's, in essence, now too long to be a success in whatever, perhaps, you're thinking about doing. So it's kind of that we shouldn't also forget how the time plays a factor in those 10 hours.
0: Mm-mm. No, I agree. And I think, P, what you are mentioning also is why I even find key, when people say, oh, what should I start a business in or what should I, like, do a side hustle in? a lot of times it should actually be whatever your day job is, finding a way to Mm. do something. Because you've already got, technically you've got that 10,000 hours because if you're there seven, eight hours a day, you'll be be surprised, but you're an expert in what you particularly do. So how can you open up a consultancy company on the side or something on the side where people don't really think and they're like, oh, I'm going to start doing um, animation, which is fine, but you just need to know at the beginning of your day
3: and the end of the day, you need to get that 10,000 hours in. um one thing about this book sorry yeah um i thought it was quite satisfying to read because after reading especially i think there was a was a there's a piece on on how bill bill gates made made it to his point Mm. in his life and his success and it spoke a lot about the what was one of the biggest factors was the area he grew up in he grew up in an area which wasn't too close which wasn't too far away from i think a computer school or a tech school yeah where in and there was nothing else around in that area so all he all he found himself doing was actually going to this school learning computers and coming back home so he had nothing else around to keep himself occupied and busy yeah. um, plus also his willingness to, to see f- things through and to to almost eat sleep um, um computers but it, it was satisfying because i said sometimes we get frustrated in ourselves we'll say, oh, how comes i'm not as big as you know so and so or not as big as but it has a lot to do with where you started your environment uh mm. if you look at your if you look at your your teenage years what areas you was in um, so it made me say, hang on a minute, look, there is, there are unique factors as to why someone like... It, you could swap your kids with somebody else and that person would have perhaps been able to accumulate mm. the same level of success. It's, it's really those different external factors that we're not all um, going to experience. At P, that's,
0: it's I, great I, that you mentioned that because I think that's the other point where it says people always glorify that individual. Yeah. But don't understand that when it comes to even talent... Like talent is overrated. In the book, it says that like yeah. talent is overrated. You just need to be good enough. So you need to have a certain IQ, a certain basic foundation that you know. And then what is more important is like you mentioned, the opportunities that you actually have. So for example, they talk about a Bill Gates story that you mentioned. Yeah. Bill Gates had probably one of the only computers or access to a computer at the age of 13 and yeah. was able to have unlimited amount of access to it where most people didn't have it unless you work for IBM or top company, etc. So from the age of 13, he was able to code for seven years and get that 10,000 hours experience. So the average me, you at that time, we wouldn't have had access to that computer. So already when he's 21, we're catching up. He's already coded thousands and thousands of hours before us. Mm. So when he's 21, he's ready for that opportunity and being able to um, move forward. So I think that ties into the third point. And then the last one, which I really liked, because this one was less about myself, but more about how I will raise my kids in the future, which was the one Mm -hmm. around cultural capital or like the social economics. So it talks about the difference between a rich family and a poor family.
3: And Mm -hmm. it talks talks
0: about like entitlement and how entitlement is not always a bad thing. Automatically, when we think about entitlement, we feel about the negative aspect of entitlement. But in the book, it spins it around and says, when you look at a rich family, it's not just about the money aspect of it, but it's more about the confidence, the training, the ability that you've given them at a young age to be Mm -hmm. able to challenge the status quo, to be able to navigate in different rooms to be able to balance multiple schedules. Like you'll find rich families will have their children doing multiple activities. Okay, this time you're playing soccer. This time you're playing uh, violin. So from a young age, they're able to manage different activities. They also hmm. mentioned a story where the child was going to the doctor and the mom in the car said, have one question to tell the doctor that I want you to ask. So already you're building that child to have the confidence to be able to speak to an adult. Where it's differentiating them versus people that come from maybe a poorer background um economic and this has got nothing to do with color so it's not a thing about color it's more about class and social economics but then you're empowering them and giving them the early start to be able to walk into different rooms and navigate and talk and be entitled in life and anything that they want they're able to go and get and it talks about another guy who had like a very high IQ, like 190 IQ, but he ended up getting kicked out of university because he wasn't able to communicate or talk around the fact that he wasn't able to make it on time or something along those lines. So that was a key one because I think when I have kids, um, that's one that I'm going to really sort of try and, enforce in them is that ability to be able to talk to adults, manage multiple ex. um, uh, task and stuff like that um and i thought that was a really good but good just work. on that
2: on that point um it would be cool because like, that's a, that's a that's actually a great point and i mean these are things which when you're growing up as a as a younger person growing up in maybe a household that isn't as wealthy at the time you probably don't notice all these things around you but it's only when you're older and you look back and you reflect and you realize oh the impact that it had made on you so i I was just thinking when you were making that point i was reflecting on my own childhood and what i saw around my family so definitely i i wasn't given this choice of speaking up as much it was more of a discipline disciplinarian route so my parents were more definitely follow follow the rules rather than challenging the status quo um, and then thinking about it as well the probably the biggest positive I would take away from the way that my parents raised me is they were very social people so we'd always have people coming around always eating food together with other families. I think this is something that on the positive side i have taken away but yeah I think the, i definitely read this book I, I i bought the book i'm looking at it in front of me but i haven't got around to reading it yet but that's a that's a great point that you've been able to bring up i was wondering is there any other points that you guys could think of how how you were raised and how it impacted you guys I, I think right it
3: now? i think it makes for a great topic for another episode the only thing i wanted to um add with regards to outliers i think it i think it's all about perspective mm. We're we're actually because of, the, because of the position that we're in, we're, we're looking at the likes of a Bill Gates or someone that's really top of their field and saying, okay, that they're an outlier. I believe each and every one of us are outliers, depending mm-hmm. on what you compare yourself to. Mm-hmm. If I take, for example, Sierra Leone and I look at the population there and I, and I look at what I'm doing compared to the opportunities that perhaps they don't have, I would be considered an outlier in their eyes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of us are outliers and um, um, and I well, I think, Pete, yeah. I think you agree with all of us are outliers. But then I, what
0: this book does and which I, I I really enjoy is the fact that it challenges you to understand that you're an outlier, just not because of yourself, but because yeah. of the opportunities and the advantages that sure. you've received. Because I could say my mum moved to London when I was three years old. My life would have been completely different.
3: If you stayed in Nigeria. If I
0: stayed in Nigeria. 100%. so. And that's what the book is trying to get away from Is that fascination of It's all me It's all about myself I did this by myself And more looking at What is that community What are those opportunities around you And it has like an analogy Where it talks about the tallest tree in a forest And it says The tallest tree in the forest Is not because of itself It was lucky enough to be in that particular space Where it got the most sun It got the most Mm. space to grow And flourish and that's how we need to use it. I think the mm-hmm. only part that I say the book is slightly missing is it tells you why they not, but it doesn't then truly give you like, okay, so what should I do tomorrow? You have to sort of translate it and translate it to yourself your and say, own. okay, yeah. how do I see? And I think the big ones I took about it was you've got to continuously work hard, get that 10,000 hours. And then I took away from it the fact that networking is so important as well. Because like you mentioned, the only way you get opportunities is by truly networking and meeting new people. If we look at this podcast, if it wasn't for Pabilo, I probably would never have met all And we wouldn't well, be in or, this.
1: If it wasn't for us fluffing our A levels. Yeah, if it wasn't for our A levels.
0: <laughs> exactly. We all wouldn't be we wouldn't we wouldn't all be together and doing this podcast. So you look at that aspect of it. So yeah. It's a really good book. I'll recommend it. Um definitely look at it. Um but I'll say whilst you're reading it, just try and decide what you're gonna take away from it. And how you're gonna adopt it to your life. Dope. Okay, so that's a wrap. That is episode number five. Woo. I'm
2: surprised we made it up to episode number five, guys. Flying. Flying. Like we're it. literally, we've literally taken flight and we're flying.
1: If anyone, any of our listeners have any comments, suggestions, or future topics we should discuss, please reach us on our Instagram page at at take fly podcast on Instagram or if you're not on Instagram, feel free to email us at takeflightpodcast at gmail.com.
2: Great. And one other thing, for everyone that listens to our podcast on whichever platform, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud, listen to it. And if there's any bit that you like, screenshot, take flight podcast, you listening to it, and then tag us, Instagram page, take flight podcast. And what we'll try and do is we're thinking of competitions on what we can do for our listeners. So tag us and then we'll try and think of what we can do later on. Great. So that's a wrap. Thank you very much for listening. Take Flight episode
0: number 5. Woo! woo, woo. Take off.